0: Thank you Charlie. Uh, good morning. Hi, uh, well late to see you all. Mostly sitting at the back of the church instead of the front church. You kinda come, come and sit closer, you don't need to move, but maybe next week you can come some of bit closer so that Derek feels like he's got some friends around him. So that be nice? Sorry, Derek. I had uh, to pick up uh, someone there. Jonah, if you want to put up the first slide, that'd be great. Uh, so I've got a question for you. Uh, who did you spend time with in twenty twenty two? And so as you come to December time, uh, it's a good chance to reflect on the last 12 months. And if you'd like to do that quite publicly, you can do that in the testimony service on the 1st of January. Uh, But at this time, it's good to look back and think on the things that you did. And the things that you accomplished throughout the last 12 months. Uh, Maybe to think about the things that you found difficult in that time. well, the things that you struggled, the things that brought you joy, and the things that brought you sadness. But certainly in those 12 months, it's good to think about who did you spend some time with. And uh, over this past year, I've done something uh, which has been uh, really helpful for me. Is this... wait, echoing a little bit? I think it's maybe a little bit. Thanks Paul. Cool. Uh, and so, last December, it was about the 31st December, the 1st of January, I saw a few friends who began to, to, to post these videos that were highlights of their years. In fact, Susanna, who's here with us, uh, was one of those who did that. Uh, and so you can do this thing called one second every day. Uh, has anyone ever heard of one second every day or one SD? Anyone? Yeah, a few people are nodding. Uh, for the young people, it's kind of like a be real thing. Um, it's kind of similar to that. Uh, but with one second every day, what you do is you take a photo or you take a video and then the app makes it into a one second, um, like a little clip. And then it mashes them all together. So you can do it over one month, you can do it over three months, or you can do it over the year if you like. And, uh, and you can put you can some music to it you can put some edits as well. So edits, uh, Jonah, if you want to hit play the video, and so I'll give you a little bit of a, so this is part of my year that you can see. Uh, and so I'm slightly surprised, and so some of you might see yourselves in this actually. So uh, don't worry, this will never make its way into social media, I really don't post a lot of things. Um, but you might see yourself on there. I'm a little bit surprised that I've stuck at it. Uh, and So apart from two days last week, I just had a busy week. Uh, and I've got something for every single day, uh, and I've tried these things in the past. So I've tried in, like fantasy football and all that. Uh, but with that, I hit November, I cannot forget about a couple weeks, and then it all falls apart. Uh, but with this one, i have really stuck with it.
1: Now as you're watching
0: this video, and um, there you go. There's Donnie the and <laughs> you know, f- There you go. Appearance there of fancy cakes that we had. There we <laughs> go. I remember it well. And. Um, but as you're watching it, you might be like, oh, that's a nice video, but if you're a little bored by the video, don't worry about it, because it's my memories of the things that I did and the people that I spent with and the people I spent time with, and it's not the activities themselves that I really remember, it is the people, and so on there, you'll see a lot of the same people come up time and time again, uh, so you'll see my kids there, so Zoe and Rory, they're probably the main stars, they're straightforward, They're the main stars of this video. My wife is in there quite a bit. There's a bit of extended family in there as well. That word, with, is really significant. And it's a word that I don't think everyone can really relate to. There we go. Uh, I'm going to let this play out because you're going to... There's a few more. Some days you have no idea what to do. Back in January, I didn't have time for a day, so I took a one-minute video of my washing machine. There you go. Anyways, if you want to flick on to the next slide, please join us. We'll all get distracted. The word with is significant. But using the context of people, it's just something that people uh, struggle to relate with. And so on the screen, you can see there some stats uh, about loneliness in Scotland. So I'll just quickly go through those. So a quarter of adults in Scotland felt lonely some or all of the time over the previous month. The next one, more than one third of adults in Scotland, so it's about 9%, say they would never admit to feeling lonely. So the above statistic, the first one is 25%, but I'm guessing that's the people who would admit it. And the other one, that close to 40%, is people who would never want to admit that they feel lonely at all. And the last one, almost one in three adults in Scotland said, uh, said feelings of loneliness, they feel worried or anxious. The word with is really important. There's something of the joy that we have in this place this morning together that we are with one another. We gather here as family together, as part of God's family. If this is your first time here, if this is your hundredth time here, know that you are welcome and we're glad that you are with us. During Advent, we take time to focus on the different names and that Jesus is described by. And we find one in the passage this morning. Um, but you can go back into Isaiah. and in Isaiah 9, we, we find that he's described as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And in today's passage, Matthew 1.23, it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel." These names are really important because they tell us so much about who Jesus is, of why we are here today, of who we are here to worship. As uh, Charlie read the passage, explain what the name Emmanuel means, and it simply means God with us. Thank you. So this title of Jesus refers both to his deity of God with us, and also to his identification and nearness to mankind, God with us. The Bible is made up of many promises. So, as you work your way through the Old Testament, you work your way through the New Testament, time and time again we find these promises of God. And I think one of the central ones, that one that we come back to time and time again, is this one of God will be with us. And in times of hurt in our lives, times of uncertainty, I think it is rightfully one that we focus on and one that we yearn for because we know that the presence of God in our lives makes a difference. I quite like uh, looking for patterns and things and seeing like symmetry in that. Uh, and so you see that with this word Emmanuel in the book of Matthew. So as Matthew writing, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So you see that in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 of that description of Emmanuel. But we also have that name, God with us, in the very last verse of Matthew. So we go to Matthew chapter 28 and the last verse there um, it says, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So this is Jesus speaking. And be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. I like that. The book of Matthew starts reminding us, he is the Emmanuel, God with us. And the last words in the book is Jesus saying, I am with you always. This is an incredible promise that Jesus wants us to know and he wants us um, to make sure that that is real in our lives. Charles Spurgeon says, Then if if Jesus Christ be God with us, let's come to God without any question or hesitancy. Whoever you may be, you need no priest or intercessor to to introduce you to God for God has introduced himself to you the name of Emmanuel is another reminder that God has taken the first step towards us and that in all things we do it out of response to how he has loved us first you see that even the ten commandments so the verses that we, we get there next is 20 here 21 it's um The the first verse there is all about how how God has led them out of slavery, how he freed them from slavery, and those commandments are in response to what he has done. And the same is for for us today that we do all things in response because he came to us first. He took the first step. He loved us first. He saved us even before we knew that we needed to be saved.
1: The name Emmanuel,
0: I think, does feel a bit more real to us at Christmas time because we sin of it a lot, a lot more because we read of these passages uh, a lot more for find the God of the universe who is infinitely powerful he stepped down in the perfection of heaven to be with us born in a stable or a cave or whatever it might be born in impoverished circumstances born to a young couple who needed to trust in God in this bewildering moment that they find themselves in Raised as a refugee who had to flee to Egypt because of the fury and jealousy of Herod, and we saw that last week. And he was brought back up to Nazareth. And in his life he knew suffering like we know suffering. He knew of life's challenges like we do. And then all of this humility he came to be completely transformative in the lives of those who trust him. God is with us. But what does that really mean in our lives? What does that mean? So, God is with us. And um, we could probably stand here for hours, and each of us could stay in, a, in our own experiences, of this is what God means, God with us means to me. Um, but I just want to, to highlight a few of them. And so, Jonah, if you want to pop one. I'm really sorry, but my slides did look really pretty when I put them together. But on the screen at the moment, they really don't. So, but hopefully, you can still read some of that. So what about God with us to save? So Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing." Jesus came to be with us first and foremost to save us. You see, we have this problem of sin in our lives. The wrong things that we do, we keep messing up. So we have the sin in our lives, and we have this holy, perfect God who cannot be in the presence of sin. And so there is this separation between us. And what Jesus came to do is he came to be with us. He came to bridge that gap so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be in the presence of God forevermore. There's nothing that we can do to bridge that gap. There is no power, there is no words, there is no action, there is no deeds, there is no influence, there is no wealth. There is nothing that we can do in ourselves to bridge that gap. Jesus is the only one, and that is what he came to do. And he did that on the cross, and we've reflected on that already, shall we? He did that on the cross for that sin that was separating us from this holy and perfect, all loving God. The cross, he defeated that sin that was separating us. Jesus came to save us. Second of all, God with us for relationship. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. This verse in Revelation is a beautiful reminder of that this is about relationship. He didn't just came to save us, to give us a certain status so that we could have this relationship. He wants relationship with us. He wants to spend time with us. And I love this picture of this table and eating around the table, having dinner together. In fact, there's a number of the micro churches that have popped up. Around Scotland over the last few years, and they do everything right around the table because they realize how relational that is when we have meals together. But we sit together, we eat together, we build friendship, we build trust, we get to know one another, we share the joys of life, we laugh together, and we support each other in the hard times. Right around the table, Eating together is a place where not only our physical needs are met, but our emotional and spiritual ones as well, as we spend time abiding with God, communic, reflecting, praising Him for who He is, and taking time in His presence, taking time to build relationship. God with us for relationship. The third one you see there is, God with us to transform our fears. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. It is a sad part of life, but we are all pretty much guaranteed that we are going to have hard times. I don't know anyone who hasn't had some sort of struggle in their life maybe having lost a job, have gone through some ill health, maybe some breakdowns in relationship. And in all of those things, we pray that God would transform them. We pray that He would heal. We pray that He would come and restore relationships. But in them, there's this wonderful knowledge that He is with us to comfort and to love. Whatever happens, We need not fear because the infinitely powerful God of the universe hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't forsaken us. He is there, he's listening, he's comforting, he's reminding us of his love. I heard something earlier this year, and I might have shared this here already, but I can't remember, so I'm gonna share it again. Um, And it's it's just a bit of a throwaway line that has really stuck with me. And it was this, Christians at the least shouldn't panic and the more I thought about it I was just like I think there's something in that and there's things that can happen in our lives constantly and we can easily panic in them but if we believe in who God is and that he is with us I'm not saying that sometimes we're not fearful I'm not saying that at times that we're not anxious and that we worry I think we do that I know because I do that too. there's something about trusting him so much that we don't panic fear is i don't want something to happen but when we have god with us we should be praying that's transformed into i trust god and whatever happens he grants us peace john 14 says peace i leave with you my peace i give you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid Peace is not the absence of some them. Peace is the presence of God. So many of us have gone through hard times and I can look across this room and I can see it. And some of you are still going through some extremely difficult times. I pray that you know the peace of God as you know of his presence in your life. We keep going, God, with us to guide, discipline and protect so Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff may comfort me. There's this idea, like God with us can sometimes feel like it's not real. It can feel like, oh yeah, that's something we're talking about again in the church. But I love that in this, when David is writing it, he says, you are with me. It's such a personal thing to him. What more for us all to get to in our lives where we constantly say, you are with me God, I know that you are with me, that is my experience, that you are with me. And David goes further he speaks about the rod and staff, the rod that he's used to defend, to fend off predators, the staff that is used for discipline to protect the sheep. This rod and staff are these um, markers that he is very much with us and at work in our lives. And discipline is not something we really like in our lives. I think we're, we're honest with us. I feel like I have to discipline my kids a lot of the time. Um, and I'm not too sure they really like it. But there's something really important in it. And it shows that I love them. In Hebrews 12, it says, My son, do not regard rightly the, dis- the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary really when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. Because God is with us. He's there to guide. He's there to discipline. And he's there to protect. Next one. Again. God with us for strength. Joshua 1 nine. This was also in Isaiah 41 verse. But I'll read another one. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. For uh, wherever you go. In his presence. And with the power of God within us. He gives us the strength for each day give us this day our daily bread and i think a lot of that is the strength to face that day galatians 6 1 says be strong in the lord and in his mighty power some days we face and they just are incredibly difficult but god's not looking down and saying just get on with it one he said i'm giving you what you need for that day I am with you, and you to stand in my strength. And with that, it's not only just He gives strength, He gives counsel, He gives wisdom by the Spirit who lives in us. Next one, God with us is our refuge. Psalm 46, "One well, God is our refuge and strength, in ever present help and trouble. In His forever presence, He is our refuge. I think that one refuge is we probably need to think about that a bit more so I'm just going to give a quick thought but it's not something I've really completely thought through myself so back in 2005 and many of you will remember uh, Hurricane Katrina and so it was a tropical 5 cyclone and tropical cyclone that tore through New Orleans in August of 2005 it, it tore through New Orleans it caused 125 billion dollars worth of damage and it took the lives of 1200 people people were left devastated they had nothing they had no houses they had no clothes they had no food and in response to it the mayor of new orleans he was criticized for calling people who fled the place refugees he was criticized for it to many it seemed an offensive term that they wouldn't accept i think in this verse of where we call that he is our refuge Does that not mean something for our relationship with god of how we should posture ourselves as a refugee you think in a refugee they are relying on someone for absolutely everything they are maybe coming from war-torn countries and going to somewhere where they need someone to provide shelter someone to provide food someone to provide clothing someone to provide all the life giving sustenance that they need in life. Is there not something for us to learn in that, for how we posture ourselves before God? God is with us because he wants to provide for us. And we need to lean into that more and more and more. And the last one, God with us forever. (coughs) Romans 8. 38 it, says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because God instigates us, because it is God with us, He'll never leave us. If this was based on us, this would not go so well. but this is based on God. It is based on his faithfulness. It is based on his love. And so we can never be separated from God with us. As I said, a few moments ago, we could probably go right in this room and we could probably uh, We could double, triple, but that's just a few things of what it means for God to be with us. But it begs the question, do we live life with God? Do you want to the next one up, please? There's a pastor, I've quoted him a couple of times, and so you might recognize the name, called Sky Gitani. It's not a name that you're going to forget in a hurry. And Sky Gitani, he's a pastor and an author in the States, and he is, he's written a number of books. They're brilliant books. If you're like, I really like a good Christian book to read, go find a Sky Gitani one. They're really good. He wrote one called With about eight or nine years ago. And in it, he reflects on our relationship with God and he identifies four ways we default to in our relationship with God rather than with. And so he he is labeled as life under God, life over God, life from God, and life for God. And in each of those, I'll explain in a second, we overemphasize something to the point of where we forget that this is life with God but relationship with him. So let me go through each of these. So life under God. This disposition is based around living under divine rules to avoid calamity and to win favor. If we follow all of God's rules and commandments, then God has to bless me. It's based on cause and effect. If I give well, if I serve well, if I act in certain ways, then I put God in my debt and he has to respond in favor towards me. There is an emphasis on external and visible actions, but it doesn't examine what is going on in our hearts. The Pharisees seem to do the right things, but Jesus says, These people can near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Do we live life under God, simply following rules in the hope of gaining some favour? Next one, life over God. A life over God position, we fully accept there is a God, we use the teaching of the Bible, but not to relate with God, but simply to find instruction for life. In a world where there is a self help book for almost anything you can imagine, the Bible is thought of in the same manner. It's seen as a divine instruction manual, a resource that can be called for principles that can be applied to any situation in life rather than a vehicle for communion with our almighty, loving, heavenly Father, we look for and apply for principles that we can then control. We end up with faith in God's principles rather than God himself. Do we live life over God, simply using him as an instruction book and looking for principles in life? The third one, life from God. We live in an Age of unequaled consumption. So, according to the New York Times, uh, we are exposed to 3,500 desiring inducing advertisements. Not every year, not every month, not every week, but every day. It's quite a statistic. And there is a danger that this seeps into our relationship with God. A consumer lifestyle tells us our value is placed. And how happy we feel, and obtaining, obtaining more can increase our happiness. This piece is at the center of the story and relegates God to a mere provider of our every need and desire. The story of the prodigal son tells of how the son, valued what his father, could give him above his father himself.
1: In this situation,
0: our relationship with God is predicated on what he can do for us, not God himself. And although we be praising with our lips our hearts are set on what we hope to get from him our god he does love to give us good gifts and that is clear in scripture but those gifts are not the objective of our relationship when we fixate on what we can get from god we fail to experience the peace of his presence in our lives do we live life from god Placing ourselves in the centre of the story and expecting God to meet our needs and desires. And the last one, life for God. Now you might hear those words and think, uh, hold on, is, is that not what we're meant to do? However, there is a danger if our relationship is solely based on this. Our value can be so wrapped up in what we feel we're achieving or our effectiveness for God. If we feel ineffective what? Don't see desired results, then we feel like failures. Being on mission for God becomes bigger than God Himself, and our relationship with Him is a simple footnote. Yes, we are to be on mission, but we're meant to be on mission with God, and motivated by the shoes of His constant love for us. Our value should be being an adopted child of His through the sacrifice of Jesus not what we think we can do for him. Do we live life for God? Identify ourselves in achievements than being his child? Let me just quickly summarize those because I realize I've been you quite a lot there in a very short space of time. Do we live under God? Simply following rules in the hope of getting people. Do we live life over God? Simply using him as an instruction book and looking for principles in life. Do we live life from God? Placing ourselves in the center of the story and expecting God to just simply meet our needs, our desires. And lastly, do we live life for God? Identifying ourselves in achievements rather than being his child. So I I read that book about five or six years ago, and I find it extremely helpful. And so now it's just a a little bit of a summary of, trying to summarize a lot into a very short space of time there. Uh, It's a fantastic book to get and uh, I highly recommend it. And I think sadly for those four things, we maybe don't always live as one of those, but there might be seasons of our life when we do. We need to ask ourselves those questions. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, came to dwell with us and to have a relationship with us. So, Skype time, he gives three quick points for us to reflect on, to have life with God. And uh, Jonah, you can hit the next slide. So, a united treasure and experience. So, united. To be fully with God, we must first be united with him. And that which says, already has been done by Jesus on the cross of Calvary for all of us. With the barrier of sin and death were moved by Jesus on the cross and sacrifice. The way has been opened for us to be reconciled to God, to be united with him. And all we need to do is to trust, to surrender and to follow. And so for each of us in this room, I don't know everyone in this room. If you don't know Jesus, if you've not given your life to him, if you've not put all your trust in him, Surrendered to Him and decided to follow Him. My prayer is that this Christmas, this season, why not today, that you would choose to give your life to Him? To have life fully with God. Not settling for one of those four principles before, one of those four defaults, but choosing to have life fully with Him. Jesus came to save, He came to have a relationship, He came to unite us back with God you don't know jesus yet if you if you're tall and certain if you have this relationship with god please come and speak with one of us at the end of the service we would love to spend that time with you to pray with you and just to chat more about means that it's full life of god with us second of all treasure what do you treasure most what is the goal and desire of your life what would you give everything to possess Throughout scripture we see people who are genuinely interested in Him and others who are interested in what Jesus could do for them. Do we truly desire Jesus knowing Him? Or do we see Him as a ticket to heaven? A simple way to try and avoid hell. Someone who can help us, simply when we are stubborn. Do we treasure the living, supreme, loving, powerful, omniscient omnipotent, omnipresent caring God of this world who knows you He knows your sin and despite that he loves you so, so much what do you treasure most in this world? and the last one experience to enjoy a new car you simply can't just want one and then buy one to enjoy the car you need to drive the car as well we're not merely saved for eternity we're saved to enjoy life with God and We can many gifts by God to do that. Reading His words of worship, seeing His work in creation, prayer, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In this, He has given us all that we need for a life of communion with Him. Communion with God, as I said earlier, is to abide with Him, to walk with Him each moment of the day, of the day to desire His closeness. Communion with God isn't something that we just schedule into our lives. It's not we just pull out a phone and look at the diary and say, okay, between 10 and 11 this day, I'm going to have communion with God. It's something that we experience God with us in each and every single moment. God with us is this ongoing state of being with Him. God with Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Come and enjoy that fullness of life with him. He wants that depth of relationship with you. Don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for anything less than life with God. Be united with Him, treasure Him, and experience life with Him each and every single day. God is with us. Let's pray. Each and every single waking moment, by You are our Savior. You are our Redeemer. You are our Rescuer. You are our Advocate. We thank You that we can know that right this moment that You are with us. That You are not a God who is distant and tall, but You are here, present with us by Your Holy Spirit. For all of us who trust in you. You are living inside of us. <clears throat> Thank you God. Thank you that you have not abandoned us. That you will never forsake us. Thank you that we can know life with you. And Lord, I pray that we would choose that. Or that we wouldn't settle for anything less. Than God with us. And us live life completely with you. We pray for your help with us and get your help and to show us where we're getting this strong. Right. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name.